superpowers on the Super Power Up Podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers Podcast show. I'm your host, Tatiana Berende, and today I am here with CJ Grace, and we're going to be talking about why infidelity in marriage happens, advice from the adulterer's wife. CJ, I'm really excited for this conversation. CJ Grace, um, she's the author of The Adulterer's Wife, How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not. And she's currently completing her next book, Hotel Chemo, Learning to Laugh Through Breast Cancer and Infidelity. CJ dealt with the double whammy of both discovering her husband's infidelity and later being diagnosed with breast cancer by refusing to be a victim and keeping her wicked sense of humor. As an opinionated Brit living in America, CJ embraces the best and worst of both cultures. She was a BBC staff journalist in the UK and then worked for China Radio International in Beijing. Ariana Huffington has personally invited CJ to blog for Huffington Post after receiving a copy of Adulterer's Wife. CJ writes an infidelity advice column on her website in association with divorceforce.com. Her mantra, the best revenge is to get past the need for it. Welcome, CJ, to the show today. We're really excited to have you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. So we're going to dive right in here, and I'm going to ask you, what are your superpowers? Well, I have some superpowers that I think are both ordinary and extraordinary. The first one is to be able to connect to people from all backgrounds and resonate with their stories. I think in some ways this is related to the listening power that you, Tatiana, developed when you were sitting in during ceremonies with elders from all kinds of indigenous cultures. I've been sitting in with ordinary people, hearing their stories and feeling a real connection with what they have to say. So that's the first superpower. The second one is to notice the absurd humor in life and make folks laugh because I am British. I come from a culture of Monty Python. I just see the absurdity even in dreadful situations as they happen to me, as they happen to others. Life is absurd. In a way, it's a cosmic joke. And if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. So why not laugh? So that's the second superpower. The third one, which I think is really important in today's polarized world, is to be able to see nuance, shades of gray. Mm -hmm. There's so much demonizing of people or making people into heroes when really we're all just ordinary folks with various flaws. You know, in some ways, everybody is very, very special and everybody in some ways is very, very ordinary but there's always nuance. There's never just one side to a story. So those are the capacities that I have that I think are my superpowers. I love it. I love it so much. And humor is, is such a vastly important medicine, really. And I think it's an undervalued one. Um, Absolutely. Even yeah. in the Indian tradition, they have laughter yoga. Mm -hmm. which is supposed to be very, very beneficial. I don't need to go to laughter yoga classes to laugh. I can watch <laughs> funny movies. I can hang out with friends that make me laugh. I can just see the absurdity. That's what works for me. Yeah, and it's such a gift, really, especially someone who's been through you know, some really tremendously uh, trialing things in life to be able to laugh through it. I, I, I learned that, too, from, from some of my elders who 
who I've studied with, they, they have an incredible capacity to hold the space for joy. Um, you know, people who you would think shouldn't necessarily be joyful because of what they've been through in their lives. But it's, it's a, it's a, I think it really helps us to get through some of the hardest things in life to be able to find the joy and the humor in it. Absolutely. Because really happiness is in your head. It's not really outside. Yeah. Anybody can go to this. You can have two people going to the same situation, going to a party. One person's really depressed. They've just lost their job. They're not happy with their wife or whatever it is. They go to the party. They're depressed. They really don't like it. It's a dreary, dreary event for them. Somebody who's really feeling up, who's a joyful person. Maybe they've just had their book accepted by a great publisher whatever it is, they go to that party and they're really in a good mood. They engage with people, they have fun. So these two people have gone to the same event and they've got a completely different reality of what it was like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love what you said too, about being able to find the, the nuance, the shades of gray, because we are in such a polarized time right now and we are all just humans, you know, and we, we make mistakes and, and, and some of us are maybe shining our, our brilliance a little bit more than others, but we're, we're all kind of, I think we could use a little bit more of that being willing to, to listen to one another. I'm, I'm assuming that that ability to see nuance really comes from that gift that you have to deeply listen to people's stories. That's true. It comes from being able to listen rather than, you know, having a bag of anecdotes that you really have to bring out and tell somebody in a situation. You're just waiting for them to finish their anecdote so you can bring out yours. That's not a conversation. That's not listening. And that happens so much, I find, in, in conversations with people that they just almost they're competing. They're competing to have the best story, the best anecdote, rather than listening to what the other person's saying. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I would love to hear from you how these superpowers of yours influenced your journey through discovering your husband's infidelity and, and you know, especially humor. Like if someone is listening to this because they're curious about why infidelity in marriage happens, you know, it's like, how do you bring humor into a situation that seems so painful emotionally? In some ways, I found I was laughing at myself because your initial reaction is almost like the stereotype of the wronged wife. And I've hated that. You're either going to be the jealous harpy who probably deserved it because she's such a nasty person, or you're going to be that poor doormat who was just trodden upon and treated so badly. I didn't want either of those roles. And you do find yourself slipping into that when, when those things happen, when you're dealing with an unfaithful partner. Uh, so I, I found myself almost laughing at myself at the stereotype thoughts that were coming in. You know, you, the, the standard thing is to absolutely loathe the mistress and to feel that it's all her fault because you want to somehow work out a way to get back to where you were before and maybe reconcile with your husband. And therefore you have to put all the blame on the mistress. It's all her fault, you know, prizing away this hapless guy, um, you know, who just couldn't help it but to be drawn into her web. Well, you know, she isn't the one who has done a marriage vow with you. She's not the one who you've tried to be building a life with. You don't really know anything about her. She's just the person that your husband has chosen, and it is a choice to have a relationship with. 
The other thing um, that I found in terms of being able to see nuance, I really didn't want to be demonizing either my husband or his mistress because they weren't demons. I wouldn't say that they were absolutely perfect, flawless people, but they absolutely were not demons. And the amount of demonization I got just from talking to my friends who would come out with all this stuff about how dreadful my husband was, how could I put up with it, how awful the woman was, and she must be really, you know, have a very bad character and all this kind of stuff. It's not true. These things happen. And I used it as an opportunity to look into why infidelity happens. And sometimes it's the dynamic between you. Sometimes it's because things just aren't right and people go and search outside the marriage for sexual fulfillment or whatever it is. Sometimes it's just opportunity. It's different for every person. There's really no one size answer to why infidelity happens but uh, there are a lot of reasons and they're not always the um, cheater's fault. Sometimes it's more the cheater's fault. Sometimes it's sort of equal. Sometimes it's more the uh, person who's been cheated upon. But even then, putting blame upon it doesn't help you get over it. The best thing to do is to let go of the blame and move on and use the situation as a catalyst to decide how to make the rest of your life more fulfilling with or without your partner and you know you'll find you're going to be a more complete person as a result rather than just being in some ways the appendage of your partner i think that that piece about blame is so key and so hugely important um because it's true we we either fall into this it's their fault or it's my fault and and i you know I'm I'm a real big advocate for taking personal responsibility and and that is very different from blaming oneself. You know, for me if 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 uh if I'm in a tricky situation I look at, you know, what are where are the places where I contributed and um whether whether or not it was my fault, whether it was, you know, an energetic piece that I was absent on or if there's a place where I maybe was no longer, you know, being my fullest self or, or, or what have you. Um, I think there, I think that's a really, really key, key thing to distinguish between blame and personal responsibility and being able to sort of rise above the whole thing and see, see the whole picture for really, really what it is. Right. Yes, that's true. And in some ways, even if you have done something that you could blame yourself for some major error that, really is an error what is the point of beating yourself up over it it's like you've given yourself a bad knee and all you're doing is bashing yourself on that knee that's not how you get rid of it or if you feel that your husband has treated you badly or your wife has treated you badly and you churn that in your mind it's like re-injuring yourself you're never getting free of it. And that's really what you want to do. You want to get free of it. There is one circumstance that I should mention that I do have a chapter on in my book, Adulterer's Wife, How to Thrive, Whether You Stay or Not. And that's about celibate marriages. And this is another dirty secret that many couples don't even talk about. And it's very common, especially amongst older couples. And this is another major reason why couples stray, why a partner will stray and have an affair. Because to use the vernacular, if you ain't getting fed at home, 
you're going to go for a takeout. So those are common reasons um, why people have sex outside the marriage. Also, if sex has gone really boring or it doesn't happen very often, it takes a lot of effort and care and a desire to keep things going to make sex fun, interesting, passionate over the long term. It's mm -hmm. fine to do it over the first year or two, over the honeymoon period, right. but keeping it going is, um, is, is more difficult, definitely much more challenging. And that's another reason why people go for the forbidden fruit because it's new and exciting and different. Sure, absolutely. And, and in, in your, I mean, what you did after, after this, you had this experience is you really, you went and interviewed a whole bunch of people because that was your background. So you interviewed a bunch of people who had also had, you know, this happened in their marriage, correct? That's true. I found that the stories came to me. I wasn't even seeking them. Mm -hmm. I found people who would open up to me with all kinds of stories. And to be honest, I think my circumstances were a walk in the park compared to some of the people I spoke to. It's, it was easier for me to let go of blame and to move, try to move on and not to be vengeful compared to what I saw some of these other people go through. I had a, an elderly relative, for example, who was in her 60s and oh, I shouldn't say elderly because now we're really quite young in our 60s. <laughs> so let me change that one. Uh, but anyway, she had been um, with her husband for decades and decades. And what he did was he was salting the money away slowly to Switzerland. He lived in England. And once he got all the money over there, he dumps her for his secretary. And she was left with practically nothing and totally shocked. She'd never even paid a bill while they'd been together. He'd always said, oh, don't worry, I'll take care of everything. And of course, he certainly did, but he took care of himself and not her. So that kind of circumstance, that guy was a cad. I don't think that you can really skin it any other way than that. But even with those kinds of circumstances, and it's also a common story that that happens, um, you do have to drop that blame and get over it. It's just a larger obstacle that you have to, in some ways, dissolve in your mind to use as a catalyst to choose how you want to live the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So um, I really want to dive more into this. I, we need to take a quick break, but when we get back from the break, I would love to hear you know some of the common themes that you you saw in these interviews and also some of the ways to get through that blame. Before we go to the break, though, would you give people just a, information about how they can find out more about you? Yes, you can Google my name, CJ Grace, G-R-A-C-E, CJ Grace, and my website is adulterer'swife.com. Now, this is adulterer's wife as in the wife of an adulterer, of an adulterer, not an adulterous woman. So A-D-U-L-T-E-R-E-R-S-W-I-F-E.com. www.adulterer'swife.com. And you'll find a, a link to a free PDF that I have and all kinds of content that I'm sure you're going to enjoy reading. Wonderful. So we've been talking about why infidelity in marriage happens, advice from the adulterer's wife with CJ Grace. And stay tuned. When we get back, we're going to get some tips on how to get through that blame block. <laughs> 
in just a moment. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. All right, and we're back. Um, so CJ, you know, this this theme of blame and, and overcoming blame what were some of the processes? What are some of the processes that you offer? What are some of the things that you did to sort of get through that in this experience? And what have you seen that has worked for other people? There are some meditation style techniques you can use that involve breathing, the hoary old chestnut of counting to 10 before you speak when your partner has really pressed your buttons and made you angry. That gives you a chance to calm down so that what comes out of your mouth is less angry and more measured. Uh, But you can also do techniques that involve sitting down just for five, 10 minutes even, and watching your breath, breathing slowly in and out, making sure you don't hold your breath between the inhales and the inhales, the inhales and the exhales, and just slowing yourself down watching your breath. You can do a practice where you count your breath to 20. 20 inhales and exhales. If you find your mind wandering, don't worry about it, but just start the count again and just slowly breathe in and breathe out. It should be a relaxed process. You shouldn't be forcing your breath. And that is a very, very simple technique that is in Buddhism, Taoism, Indian traditions. It's a, breathing is in a lot of different traditions. That's an extremely simple technique that you can use just to calm down. If you've got five minutes, do it for five minutes. If you've got 10 minutes, do it for 10 minutes. Whatever time you have, maybe 15, a daily practice doing that will definitely make you calmer and make you happier in your mind. Uh, but the other aspects of letting go of blame and of uh, all those negative emotions that come up to you like a roller coaster are to find your passion, to find things, to fill your time that you enjoy so that your mind is full of that rather than churning and churning about what your husband said, what your husband did or what your partner is, has, uh, how he's treat, he or her has treated you or what you think of the lover that they've taken on. That is not what you want in your mind. And the only way to get rid of those thoughts are to find other thoughts that are better, that are more fulfilling. And to do that, you need to have activities you enjoy. You need to hang out with people whose company you enjoy. You need to find confidants that you can trust, who have your best interests at heart. All of those kinds of things. And you need to focus on laughter so that you're doing things that bring you up rather than bring you down. That's an important part. I don't think meditation, breathing, or whatever on its own will help if you don't also fill your life with things you're passionate about, 
passionate about and people whose company you enjoy. Yeah, I think that is so important just in general. Um, now, I want to talk about something for a moment with you because, I mean, if we're, if we're completely honest, adultery doesn't just happen out of the blue. You know, there's, there's a lot that leads up to, to infidelity in marriage taking place. And I would just love to hear you speak to that a little bit. And, and what, what your take is on that, because I'm all about preventative medicine. You know, that's, that's my, that's my MO in life is instead of, you know, having the catastrophe and then cleaning up the mess, how can we avoid the catastrophe in the first place? And sometimes you can't, um, sometimes you have to have the catastrophe in order to learn the lesson and, you know, do the cleanup and there's, there's beauty that can come out of that. But, but for someone who might be listening to this just out of curiosity, if they feel like maybe maybe their their marriage might be headed in that direction but they want to avoid it you know what what would you suggest to somebody what are what are some of the things that lead to that even taking place in the in the first place well the best marriages are ones where the two people involved are best friends so that they really feel like kindred spirits they enjoy activities together they enjoy sex together and the work of the marriage is, is even. It's not maybe one person doing all the work, whether it's physical work like cooking, cleaning, all of that kind of stuff, and both parties working. Those are marriages that have a lot of strain. If one party is doing a lot more of the work or if the husband is really, really in a very demanding job, earning a lot of money and not getting the support he needs from, from his wife. So I, I'm not trying to make it the woman's to blame or the man's to blame, but you need a sort of balance, a balance that you're comfortable with. Uh, if you don't have that balance, that can cause resentment. And over the years, that builds and makes people grow apart. So that's one aspect. Um, the other thing is that if you are not putting the effort into lovemaking, I mean lovemaking, not having sex, because those are two completely different things. Yes. Still have to put effort into that. And it's possible to do it. There are counselors, there are books, but really it's about listening to the other person and when you're lovemaking listening to them watching how they react enjoying them being there feeling you know the energy and the presence of them and and luxuriating in that and feeling grateful that you've got this wonderful person that you can share your time with if you have that attitude it really makes the sex turn into an expression of your love for each other and it's Easier said than done, but well worth the effort to try to keep that spark alive. Now, I did say that you should be best friends. That is important, but you also need to have friends and activities outside the marriage so that you don't expect 100% of all your stimulation, of all your fun, of all your connection with other human beings to come from your partner. You need to have a balance of doing things outside the marriage with other people. I'm not talking about having affairs here, uh, but you need to have that balance because otherwise you can find that one party can be so clingy and so dependent and so demanding that it drives the other partner away. So a lot of it's about balance as well as about paying attention, listening, 
caring about what the other person's gone through. How has their day been? Rather than just saying, oh, did you have a good day? And not really caring about the answer. Just like somebody who's a cashier says, have a nice day. It doesn't mean anything particularly. You really want to engage. You want to know about and care about that person throughout the relationship. And that's the glue that will keep you together. Mm. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, this is a lot of the work that I do. And, um, but it's always fun to hear different people's takes on, on this topic and, and on, on the importance of, of connection in relation. I mean, really, that's what, it, that's what it boils down to is are you, are you connecting with your partner? Are you connecting with yourself first? and with what you love and, and with what your purpose and your passion is. And then are you bringing that into your relationship? Are you connecting with your partner? I know it can, it can get, uh, especially when we've been with somebody for a long time, we can sort of start to take them for granted in a lot of ways. Right. Right. Um, one of the things that you wrote about is about being authentic. I thought that the blog you wrote about that was extremely pertinent because part of being authentic is taking the good with the bad not just expecting everything to be wonderful all the time, not having to put on this incredible front, a grin on your face and you know, a beautiful background. Here you are by a beach at the sunset or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, life isn't just being by a beach in the sunset. There are all kinds of really not particularly great things that you have to do in life to get through just the daily grind. But if you're with a partner that you feel connected to, you just do it together and, and you just work through it. It's not as if every, every single moment has to be amazing and fantastic. Uh, that's unfortunately what you see on Facebook, which is what yeah. you brought up, the lack of authenticity on Facebook. So if you go on Facebook, it would make probably a lot of people feel depressed because, gosh, everybody's smiling and they're all in these amazing places and they've done all this fantastic stuff. And... And I don't feel like that, you know, and where are the pictures of people depressed eating ice cream in front of the box, you know, in front of the TV. So you can get your expectations so high that no relationship is going to match it. That's right. Yeah. And then there, and we're com constantly comparing ourselves to others when we're really deeply embedded in social media, you know, it's, it's designed in a way for that comparative mind to kick in. and Oh, well, I'm not like them or I need to be better like this. And oh, they look so happy in that picture over there and they're doing such great things and my life sucks in comparison, right? Yeah, like, you can't really smile 24 hours a day. That's um, right. yeah. It it's, it's really would be kind of painful on your mouth to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's... I want to see more of that in the world. I want to see more people, you know, and, they, and it's a balance. It's, it's a balance between being willing to show up and being willing to say like, wow, yeah, this is challenging in this moment. And, I, and, and not sinking into a deep depression around it or like, I'm never going to get out of it, but knowing that there's ebb and flow to life. Right? That's and right. But the other side of that, which is the other side of, you know, life can sometimes throw you curveballs with or without infidelity and you just have to deal with it. The other side of it is you've just got to have laughter in your life. If you have laughter with your partner, that is an amazing form of glue. If you can laugh over things, it just completely changes the atmosphere. 
Uh, and the couples I've seen that can laugh together are the ones that last the longest. Mm. Beautiful. Um, so one, one piece that I would love to talk to you about, because in your book, and I know you outlined this in your book, and unfortunately I have not had the opportunity to read it yet because our interview came up rather quickly, but um, I'm looking forward to reading it. And I want to hear what you have to say about when a person should stay or go in their relationship if an infidelity has taken place because I don't think that it necessarily always means that the relationship has to be over. Um, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I have two chapters in my book about that subject. Uh, the first one deals with the emotional aspects of the relationship. And there is no one size fits all answer to whether you should stay or go. You know in your heart in a way whether you are happier with or without that person. That's an important question to ask yourself. And you can't ask yourself that question right away because you need to get back off the roller coaster of incredibly negative emotions that hit you when you first find out. You've got to get back on an even keel to make a decision about what you really want to do. Some of the major errors people make when they're dealing with infidelity is to react with their amygdala. They're really pissed off about what's happened and you know off they go relationships over and then both parties may realize oh i really shouldn't have done that so you've got to step back and give yourself the time and the space to make a good decision about whether to stay or go so even if you're not sure or you don't think you want to be with somebody the idea of leaving right away i think is a mistake until you've let all the emotions course through you and you can make a much more rational decision. So I think it's much easier to stay with somebody after infidelity, incredibly so, if they dump the other woman or the other man. If you um, have a situation where the other party is not willing to let go of their lover, that's a very, very hard road. A lot of women stick with men who do that, particularly wives of celebrities because of keeping up a good face, because of the lifestyle, the moneyed lifestyle they have, or whatever reason, they stay with the guy, but you know damn well they would be much, much happier if he didn't have all the girlfriends. So it does happen. But if a man, for example, I'm saying it from the female point of view, but if, if the man is willing to dump the girlfriend because he genuinely, in his heart, wants to stay with his wife, then I think that you've got a very good chance of the marriage continuing if that's what the wife wants. The wife has to be able to genuinely forgive him for what he's done because otherwise if they stay together and the wife hasn't forgiven the husband and the husband is still consumed with guilt about what he's done, you don't really have a marriage there. You have purgatory. That's not a good situation. And some people stick with that, but are they happy? I wouldn't think so. Uh, so that's the emotional side, but of course there are issues like children. If you have young children, a lot of people stay together because it is much better for the kids to have two parents there, provided they're not warring so badly that, that really the children are in a, a toxic environment. But if that's not the case, if the two husband, if the husband and wife can get along more or less, um, 
sometimes people stay together because it's better for the kids. Um, sometimes people stay together because they simply can't afford to live separately. They have to knuckle down and just make the best of the, the financial situation they have. But genuinely happy couples after infidelity do exist because sometimes it makes couples think about, well, what was wrong with this relationship? How can we improve it? What do we have to do? And what we want this relationship to work so badly, so much, we love the other person so much that we are going to put in the time, effort, the work, whatever it is, to make our relationship flourish. And I've come across plenty of couples that have got through infidelity and come through stronger than they were before. But is that the norm? I don't know. Yeah, I think it depends on, um, you know, I always say if both parties are willing to do the work, you can get through just about anything. Um, and I really do firmly believe that because I think that these things happen when there's a certain level of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just like, like we haven't been fully transparent with ourselves. We haven't been fully in touch with, with what's true for us. And we haven't been communicating that with our partner. I really think that if we don't have that foundation, that's what, that's what allows the soil for something like this to take place. And so if both parties are willing to stop and say, okay, like I'm, I'm willing to work through this with you. I think that I really do believe in, in the human being's capacity for change and, and for, for love to grow if both, if both people are invested in it. And I will say one thing, uh, one of the reasons why we have, I think, increasing amounts of infidelity, divorce, all of that kind of stuff, is that compared to maybe 50 years ago, we're living so much longer. So relationships may or may not have a lifespan. And if you tend to die at 50, for example, you're going to probably be more likely to stick with one person. But when people can keep going till 70 or 80, and for example, with the growth of ED drugs, men can now have sex really until they kick the bucket. So, you know, that has changed the dynamic so that people grow and they change as they age. And you've got people in their 60s now who think, well, I've been with this guy for all these years and I'm really not happy with him. And I, how many more years have I got left to live? I might as well do what I want to do. And, and guys probably feel the same way. So that's also changed the dynamic, the fact that we have increased longevity plus ED drugs. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I've never, I've never uh, looked at it from that perspective. And I'll have to, have to sit with that one because I, I tend to look at things from an evolutionary perspective as well. Cause I think as the longer that we're around, the longer things are changing around us, the longer things are changing inside of us. Um, and we but, might be evolving what, as people, right? And but whether, what if you evolve, but for example, Tatiana, what if you evolve? Right. And your, and your partner doesn't. Yeah. Or you've gone totally different routes. Yes, exactly. You know, so those kinds of things, the older you get, the more chance you have for evolution. And maybe yes. you evolve along the same path, but maybe you also grow apart. And then what do you do? Yeah, that's such a, such a really interesting. Um, and it's interesting also because 
sometimes somebody can in effect almost be unfaithful to their partner without having sex with somebody else. There was a story I heard about a, um, a, a very good friend of mine. Her mother divorced her husband after he had an affair with the secretary. And, you know, she had a lot of blame. She really thought that he was a bad guy for doing it. But when you looked into the situation, these were two people who grew apart, who didn't have the same interests. And she ended up spending virtually no time with her husband. She spent all her time with a female friend. This was a platonic relationship with a female friend, would go on vacation with the friend, would go to the theater, to the movies, to activities with her friend, and really leave her husband all on his own. And mm. sure enough, he found something else to fill his time. He ended up moving out and going to make a life with his secretary. So there are all kinds of reasons why people are unfaithful, why people grow apart. And it is not black and white. There's a lot of nuance there. I am so curious. I'm glad you brought this up because there was something that I wanted to get your, get your take on is, um, you know, I've, I've heard it said, and I, I tend to agree at this point that we can absolutely have affairs, emotional affairs with people uh, that aren't acted out physically, yet there's still an energetic detachment from the relationship. Absolutely. I would love to hear your, your perspective on that. I think that's exactly what the story I just told shows because she was not emotionally attached to her husband. She was emotionally attached to her best friend. And therefore, the marriage collapsed. So you can have, you can definitely have an emotional attachment, which according to the language we use, is not an affair. But it still has the same effect as an affair might have on a marriage. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, so CJ, we are, we are running short on our time here. It's just been a really fascinating, dynamic conversation. Is there anything that you would like to share with our listeners before, before we sign off today? I'd like to let everybody know that I've got a free mini ebook as a gift for listeners to be able to download from my website. And the mini ebook is called Overcoming Adultery Tools to Tame the Roller Coaster of Negative Emotions. And it contains useful techniques that I excerpted from my Adulterer's Wife book. Um, and it includes some techniques that are based on Qigong and meditation um, and also a little bit of humor. And I have a link to it on my website. So if you go to my website, adulteraswife.com, that is adulterer's wife as in the wife of an adulterer rather than an adulterous person, somebody who is committing adultery. No, it's a wife who has a partner who commits adultery, adulteraswife.com, A-D-U-L-T-E-R-E-R-S-W-I-F-E. Dot com, adulteraswife.com. And if you can't find that, you can also Google my name, CJ Grace, G-R-A-C-E, and you will most likely find my Adulterer's Wife website right on the homepage. You'll be able to find the Overcoming Adultery PDF link. So I think that's going to be very useful for anybody having to deal with infidelity or overcoming any kind of emotional challenges. 
So thank you so much for having me on the show, Tatiana. I really enjoyed talking to you. Absolutely. I've enjoyed talking to you too. And just a little spoiler alert, if you like chocolate, you really want to check out that ebook because there's a whole chocolate meditation in there. Oh, yes. I talk (laughs) about how to practice mindfulness by using chocolate. And yes, I am a recovering chocoholic. So I had to put that technique in there. It comes from England and they even do it in schools in in Britain. Um, School kids are doing that practice. So if school kids can do it, you can do it too. Oh, cool. All right. Well, this has been such a, such a wonderful conversation, CJ. Thank you so much. And to our audience, until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.